0: Hi guys, it's Christina and Christian and you're listening to Blitz Radio. So Christian, do you want to crack us off? Crack us
1: off? Crack us off. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you want to start us off real quick and tell us what we're talking about this week?
1: This week we're talking about concentration camps, but not really, but maybe. It kind of depends. We're talking about human rights. We're talking about American border detention centres mm-hmm. and then Australian border detention centres and a lot of history.
0: Um, yeah. So what, I mean, obviously it's a topic that's been covered somewhat before. So what is making it interesting and relevant this week?
1: Well, there's just so many developments behind the, um, like the border patrol officers with their little Facebook group. I kind of wanted to take it back to um, Alexandra Kesha cortez yeah. and her stance on it and her bringing up the idea of it being a concentration camp and then yeah. that sparking a lot of outrage as well. So I kind of did some digging on, like, the actual definition of concentration camps and yeah, the history cool. of how they came to be in Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. And maybe
0: just before, though, for people who don't maybe know what you're talking about, can you just explain what the Facebook group was uh, and yeah. what happened there?
1: Okay. So, the uh, Border Patrol have a Facebook group where... This is in
0: the US, right?
1: In the US, the US Border Patrol. They have a big Facebook group with about 9,500 members. And it was just full of memes and uh, sexist jokes and horrible, horrible comments about like migrant deaths and things like that. So, and they have like really crazy names for... The, you know, the people that they're supposed to be looking after in these camps. There was one name that I was like, Jesus, that's terrible. They called them,
0: they called them, like,
1: Tonks or something. Because apparently that is the the sound that a, f- like, their big sort of mil- like military-grade flashlights make when they clock someone on the head.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Like, yeah, this is mm-hmm. really bad. That's really... And, and now like- they're wiping the whole thing.
0: And... To keep in mind, as well, who we're talking about here... Oh, yeah, we're talking about children. Women and children. Yeah, women and children. I I think, actually, it was Alexandria Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who called it psychological torture, saying, I mean, some of the stuff they put on the Facebook group alludes to it, but, like, that also sometimes the guards would just wake everyone up in the middle of the night for no reason. Weird things like that, which is just genuinely inhumane cruelty. Like, there's no reason for it apart from trying to mess with people really
1: it's really uh someone I saw a really great point that was brought up in one of these many tabs that I have here just about how it's almost this system of just desensitization that these border patrol officers have just worked towards where they do not care about human life at all yeah. they've just been in the game for so long that yeah
0: And, like, to an extent, not that I don't want to (laughs) encourage people to feel sympathetic towards them necessarily, but, like, they're part of a much broader problem, which is the dehumanising of migrants, really. It's not... I mean, what they're doing is horrific. But, yeah, what you're saying about this idea that you start to... When you're in that kind of job for such a long time, you start to just not view those people as people anymore. Um, And And the nature
1: of the job and the people in charge, you know they just there's no no ratification because because these camps are under the border control and um they don't actually face any judicial trials so the people going into the camps yeah so it's completely under the jurisdiction of these border patrol officers they don't get checked up on no one really cares what happens and now that people are starting to care they're starting to realize oh it's actually really bad and it's not like this is I just started now. Like you go look at this group, and it's just a history and a culture of the uh, most male group of legal enforcers in America. Yeah, lowest percentage of females, and I think that also comes into it as well. Yeah, really, really does. Just breeding this horribly sexist culture.
0: So do you want to take us back to what you were talking about before then, the history that you've been looking into?
1: Okay, so I think this debate about is it or is it not a concentration camp is really interesting. And
0: sorry, just to clarify, the reason you're using the word concentration camp is because in a tweet, that's what Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez called it. She went to visit two detention centres along with a whole bunch of other democratic representatives but she went to visit two of them last week in Texas and she, you know, put out a whole series of tweets about the experience because previously these have been pretty much, these ca- like detention centers have been pretty much closed off to journalists yeah. and lawyers and everyone really. So her and a whole bunch of the other people who went to visit them were putting out a lot of tweets about what they saw and one of the tweets she used the words concentration, concentration camp, camp, which of course is very, always going to be controversial when you say it but she actually received a lot of support for it as well
1: from the right sorts of people as well yeah
0: but what do you mean by that the right sorts of people
1: well it just as soon as she brought up concentration camp there was just this flurry of uh, of media backlash where they were just saying you know you're they were saying things like oh you're a taking away from the horrors that were the concentration camps and Mm. taking away from the Jewish people. And then Twitter accounts like the Auschwitz Museum official Twitter account and, like, big Jewish groups were just standing up and saying, no, this is really bad. There's a great quote. Yeah, I
0: agree. I heard a lot of, I don't know whether Jewish officials is the right word, but basically people who can represent Jewish rights. And they were all saying that, yeah, actually she's right, it, they, the conditions do look like concentration camps and it's not conflating two issues to, to call it that. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's what history is for. Horrible history like that isn't something that we look back on and go, oh, those people were bad because they did that. It was, it, we look back on it so we can learn through the system of events that led up to that point.
0: Well, that's the hope, isn't it? Yeah,
1: to revise on it. And the Jewish group Never Again Is Now they have this, uh, they're just starting this culture of civil disobedience to raise awareness to the fact that, um, you know, the Holocaust wasn't something terrible that happened that we look back on and understand as a terrible result of a terrible group of people, mm-hmm. which it was, but, you know, a terrible, horrible result of a system that led to the dehumanization of certain groups of people. And a great quote brought up by Liza Birkin, who is um, one of the members of the group in America. She said a great made a great point where she said, we're focused way too much on the end of the Holocaust and not as much on the beginning. And this is directly comparable in reference to the migrant camps in the USA. So I wanted to do a bit of digging. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how did concentration camps come about in Nazi Germany? Because we know that they were there. Yeah. And we know what happened after they came up, but... I thought, how did they just kind of
0: who came pop up? up with the idea who came up with of the idea? <laughs> yeah.
1: So, they um, Nazi officials established the first concentration camp in Dachau on March twenty second, nineteen thirty three. I am just reading off uh, the Holocaust Memorial Museum, the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. Mm-hmm. It was a camp for political prisoners, and were later used as a model for an expanded and centralized concentration camp system managed by the SS, which was a separate police force much like the border patrol who didn't have any judicial restrictions could just grab people and say you're in the camp now which is terrifyingly parallel to what's happening now and what distinguishes a concentration camp from a prison which is where the because i wanted to see what is the exact definition how do we really compare these things And what distinguishes a concentration camp from a normal prison, in the modern sense of a prison, is that it functions outside of a judicial system, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, that's really what these detention centres are doing. Yeah. You know, it's just people come and they say, you're in here now. No, a judge doesn't prosecute them and say, you've committed a crime, you're in the prison. They're just assumed to have been thrown in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the parallels are legitimate. And I think drawing these parallels doesn't take away from what the horrible things that happened to everybody who went into the concentration camps during the Second World War. No. It, honestly, it... I don't want to say... I'm I'm trying to find the words to say it. It uh, kind of continues their memory and, you know, the lesson that should be learned from these horrible things. Because the last thing, I think those people... And survivors of these events and the, you know, the um, generations following the survivors of these events, I think the last thing they want to see happen is the same thing happen again in their own country.
0: Yeah. A country that was, you know, kind of saved them away from concentration camps. So, I mean, saved them from the Second World War to an extent. The USA's involvement in the Second World War was very important and decisive. So. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a good point. And like, I think also just to build on the idea of, I I guess this doesn't necessarily directly correlate with concentration camps. But of course, we know that in concentration camps, people were severely malnourished, they weren't fed enough. Mm -hmm. And there's been reports that yeah, that all the children in these detention centres, literally all of them report being hungry, they don't have toothbrush they don't provide toothbrushes or soap for them well, so most of them have yeah that was like a big thing yeah, just and, court. Things like that. and like there was these three judges presiding over it, it was basically yeah questioning whether they needed to provide those sort of basic sanitary items and the people who run these centres were saying we don't need to because they're only temporary facilities and so those they don't need them very cringy. but of course they're not temporary facilities at the moment because of the yeah. massive build up they have um and so you, what you end up is with children in there for weeks and weeks and yeah, weeks on it's end indefinite with indefinite detention. Yeah, with, with the like lacking the basic, um, basic hygiene products that you need, like soap. So they haven't showered in weeks. Most of them are still in the same clothes, which a lot of them their clothes are covered in like vomit or urine, or because obviously they've been under stressful circumstances.
1: Yeah. It's so crazy. And yeah, just so one like, of
0: sorry, just one of those judges presiding over that hearing had been um, a Japanese prisoner of war who was also held in detention um, for an extended period of time, and of course we know those were really horrible conditions yeah, as I well. Was bring those up and yeah, yeah, he was saying he was like. Are you actually seri- like do you yeah. do you honestly think that a toothbrush and soap is is not necessary for these children? Like you could hear the sh- the Im- incomprehension in his voice. Yeah. It was really like horrifying. I'm sure for him to hear that his own country was doing this to to children and women. So yeah, I thought that was really interesting.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. That was uh, another you brought up, Alexandria Keshav Cortez, and. She made mention of, uh, she, cause she spoke with a lot of the, uh, female, I'm going to call them prisoners, <laughs> The prisoners in these yeah. camps who had told her that the guards were telling them to, you know, drink out of the toilets and yeah. things like that because they didn't have water, they didn't have sinks. And another really fun fact is that, um, America was one of the only and definitely the biggest country that voted no, um, for the, in, for the, um, instillment of food as a basic human right so every other country agrees but not the us
0: that food is a basic food
1: is, food is a basic human right
0: i mean yeah the usa was like the
1: only country that voted against are oh, there like
0: yeah little, little
1: islands here are little countries but that's yeah.
0: very questionable isn't it and i think as well um just another thing I, I remembered is that I read in a New York Times article just to give you a sense of the overcrowding that's happening in some of these facilities as well. Apparently in some of the border processing centres in El Paso there are 900 migrants being held in a facility that's designed for 125 people.
1: I read the exact And one. some of the
0: cells are designed for 35 people but are holding up to 155 people.
1: The photos are crazy. It's literally just like a big fenced off area and there's a bunch of people and they're just standing and lying down. It's like cattle. It's yeah, so inhumane. Literally. It's crazy.
0: I mean, it's kind of interesting that you bring up cattle because you know we have huge debates over like cage chickens and stuff like like you know having yeah. humane treatment of animals, um, and then you literally have people being held literally in detention who, who, in who the can't same lie conditions. down. They're standing up because they don't have enough room. That's crazy. Like I just think those numbers speak for themselves. That's that's just really insane. I know.
1: Started, I was looking at the uh, convention of the rights of the child mm-hmm. and how many of those the USA is breaking and Australia as well.
0: So wait, sorry, where does the convention of the rights of the child come from?
1: From the United Nations. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah, that's a that's a big one Yeah, and all the countries voted on it. If I look at a world map here, every single country parties to the convention. The USA are the only country that are signed but not ratified, mm-hmm. which is scary again they haven't given formal consent that's crazy yeah I hate that I hate that what what was there what was what was the process of thinking of like now nah, children don't deserve rights were yeah. you crazy and these rights were so basic rights to life you can't take out capital punishment on a child rights to their own name and identity ain't happening to be raised by their parents with a family or cultural group. Not happening. have a relationship with both parents, not happening.
0: Yeah, I mean, the whole, what's it called, zero-tolerance policy that came in under Trump not long ago now, like a year and a half ago, I think, early 2018, about the policy of separating children from their parents obviously was hugely controversial when it was brought in. And, I mean, it still is hugely controversial, except it's just... Still happening. We're just letting it happen because nobody can seem to stop here. So, I actually want to take it back a little bit as well just this idea of where did migration between, because most of this migration that we're talking about is happening along the US Mexico border which um, I also just thought it's interesting to know that that's one of the largest land borders between two countries in the world. It's really insane. It's almost 2,000 miles long, which is about, it's over 3,000 kilometres, just to put it in perspective. And there's actually been a long history since the 20th century of migration between along that border, mostly of Mexicans. It started off as mostly Mexicans coming. And in many cases, the US actually encouraged that migration. For example, during World War I, there was a massive demand for cheap Mexican labor. It's obviously the war effort kind of ramped up. And so Mexicans were actually exempted from certain immigration provisions, and even directly recruited through workers' programs to come to the U.S. So these kind of systematic policies of recruitment actually created an environment where Mexican migrants or migrants from Central America viewed um, this border as, like, a viable route, whether it's legally or otherwise. The bottom line is they were getting across and then they were getting work. But, yeah, so then... As World War One finished up, and they wanted, you know, Americans wanted their jobs back. Basically, they started cracking down on this a bit more, and they've since basically, basically um, been following like a, pro- a policy of deterrence, which is using whatever means possible to stop people from coming across the border. So, I mean, obviously, the obviously cracking them of in that, the head with a flashlight. I mean, that I was going to even just say is literally Trump. Claiming throughout the 2016 election that he's going to build a wall um, to to stop people from coming through. However, they've been that's like not a new idea. This idea of trying to physically block people from coming across this border has been happening since the 90s or even before, but like really ramped up in the 90s. And it's actually been really unsuccessful because yeah. um, basically most of the time, what it does is when they put up barriers in in one area which is being heavily crossed all that means is that the people go outside those barriers and often i mean the the landscape around there is really like rough terrain it's not necessarily easy to cross but it doesn't stop them people still do it it's just that more people end up dying from it and also another thing that started happening when they introduced these kind of policies is you have people smugglers starting up businesses and literally profiting from the fact that they're trying to deter people and being like, we can get you across safely. So, yeah, I guess the question is like, why then have they, if it's not been particularly successful, these policies of deterrence, why have US politicians continued to pursue such policies And I think the idea is basically it's just projecting an image to the American population that they are moving towards progress and that they're like politically trying to gain support for, you know, keeping their borders safe, even if it's not actually successful. Just announcing these things makes them look strong and makes them look good to the people. So, yeah, that's some... a brief history of, um...
1: Why that's going on. Yeah, why
0: that's happening.
1: I was looking at the Trail of Tears as well. Because my first thing, when I just... When I was thinking about, you know, like, this systematic dehumanisation of a group of people, Mm -hmm. I just, right away, I thought, like, you know, this has happened in the US before. Twice, you know? had slavery... Mm -hmm. Uh, they had the, uh, attack types of population transfer and just the complete genocide of the, uh, native peoples of America. Mm -hmm. And I just, it's crazy that, you know, uh, the, the US people just stand by it time and time again. Yeah. And they're so proud of their history. Which, I mean, you can be proud of U.S. history. There are great things in U.S. history. The USA isn't a completely evil, terrible place. But there are just so many instances in U.S. history that should be learned from. Yeah. And it's, you know, something that we don't do in Australia either. And that's what I wanted to bring all this back to. Yeah. When I was looking at all this was we're, like, so focused on look at these terrible things happening in America that we don't ever draw parallels to the th- to the same things happening here, you know? Yeah,
0: I mean, when you said talking about being proud of something, like, a bit yeah. immediately, I was like, that's... We can all point to one very obvious... Well, actually, two, same thing. We, um, what's the word, uh, killed a lot of our Indigenous people when we first mm-hmm. settled in the country, and now we have, well, we had extremely similar um, detention centres... That we were using to keep people out of our yeah. country. And we're still
1: using to keep people out of our country. And that's where I wanted to bring up Nauru. Nauru is crazy. Such a crazy story.
0: So, what is the. Tell us the story of Nauru. So, Nauru
1: is a little island off the coast of Australia. It was one of. It was the. Uh, it had the second highest GDP per capita at one point, second only to. Uh, Saudi Arabia at the time had something like 50,000 US dollars.
0: Crazy. And that must not be that long ago because Saudi Arabia only became super rich like not that long ago either.
1: That was at its peak in the 1970s and 80s.
0: Crazy. Because
1: they had very, very rich phosphate deposits Mm -hmm. that mining companies from Australia and New Zealand were taking full advantage of and making these people filthy, filthy, filthy rich.
0: And I assume that the population of Nauru is pretty small as well. Oh, the
1: island of Nauru is tiny. It is so small. Let me get a number here 21 kilometers squared.
0: 21 kilometers squared. 21
1: kilometers squared. That's the area of the island. It is so small. I wish
0: we had, I want like a comparison for that. Like, what's another island?
1: It's 193rd on the list of countries by area. Obviously, the biggest being Russia. Yeah, it's at the bottom, you know. Tight. It's one hundred ninety second now, beaten only by Monaco and the Vatican City. Those are the only two countries smaller than Nauru. Oh,
0: really? Yeah. I mean, Vatican City is literally tiny. It's. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. It's, it's a very city small. within a city. It's so. Barely
1: even a city. It's a, it's like a tourist attraction. Yeah, it is. It is great. That, that is that I, is insane. As soon as I saw that, I went, "Oh my god! It is the smallest island country and the smallest republic." Crazy, and so when you look at their history, this is a country that is twenty-one kilometers squared. How big they were mined to bits in the 19, by the nineteen nineties. They thought the country was literally uninhabitable mm. because it had just been mined so poorly. So then,
0: f- how did we go from from that to it being used as a detention center for? undesirable refugees coming to Australia, attempting to come to Australia. I use the word undesirable somewhat ironically.
1: (laughs) Undesirable to to, to somebody, to some terrible people. So they were desperate, really, after the, you know, the phosphate depleted, no one wanted to go to this country because it was just a big rock. So Australia instilled the Nauru Detention Centre and that was their most significant source of income from that point onwards, Mm -hmm. and then it was closed, and they were really sad because um, when it was closed in 2007, Mm -hmm. that effect affected 10% of the island's population directly or indirectly because of how much income it generated for this country. Mm -hmm. The detention centre was reopened in August of 2012. Mm -hmm. So, And
0: that's when it's sort of, I mean, at least maybe it's just because I'm younger, I can't really remember before that, but I think that's around when it started getting attention for people being like, this is pretty questionable what we're doing, detaining children, not so popular. Eventually, I think it was only last year, wasn't it, that we finally got all the children out of detention centres?
1: Yeah. I think well, it was like
0: late last year.
1: Like, we are so blind to the things happening in these places for example, uh, the Labour government in the re- most recent election, they had a lot of plans for the people in these detention centres. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they lost the election, string of mass suicides.
0: Oh, really?
1: Mass suicides. Oh, because so- the people in the detention centres were like, well, that was our one lifeline of like getting out of here.
0: That actually like gave me shivers. That's so I disturbing. Know.
1: Terrible. And they sent in... like Their plan was not to instill any sort of programs... To fix this issue, they just sent in a very notoriously brutal police force, whose job it was, whose job was literally to stop people from killing themselves.
0: Mm. I mean, and there's been massive parallels as well, in the sense as to the U.S. I mean, in the sense of journalists really not being able to get access yep. to it, like no even harder because it's be... an island. Yeah, like, exactly. Doubly is hard, but like they're making it very difficult for anyone to see what's actually going on there which anytime that happens you're like that's that's questionable very shady exactly so yeah that's concerning fake news fake news you are fake news so in this week's research when you're looking into things did you happen to come across any fake news
1: um i came across this australian article that was um, talking about the the lie of the boat people, a really great article in the Guardian. The boats are coming is one of the greatest lies told to the Australian people. It is something that I have heard my whole life. Mm-hmm. The boats are coming. The yeah. boat people are coming. All the you know, and just this really terrible name given to a group of human beings who were just people. trying to yeah. boat people who were just trying to find a better life. Yeah, and this article just goes through the the lies of the government in how this issue has become so alarmist Mm. in just alienating a group of people who have been made out to be a much bigger problem than they actually should be. And I think that is fake news. I think the, the lie of the boat people... Is fake news?
0: Yeah. So what you're saying is not that it's not that they don't exist, but this like fear mongering yeah. surrounding them is is sort of the fake news aspect. It's
1: so it. crazy that like people will jump on this train of oh climate alarmism. How are we you know why are we so why are we so alarmed by climate change? Mm. And then the same thing is happening with actual human beings, and people just stand by it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, the only optimists slightly optimistic point I'll um, put into that is I think there there was one thing that I noticed from the most recent federal election is that they basically ditched that whole rhetoric yeah. of um, turning back the boats. and Well, I mean, there haven't been any boats recently, but I think there has been quite a shift in public sentiment towards, um, maybe not towards refugees as a whole, but towards this whole idea of being... Um, you know, treating them inhumanely on yeah. on detention centres. I think, um, I don't want to, it's hard to say because you can never speak on behalf of everyone, but I'd say based on the way the government's speaking now, it seems like a majority of people are not behind that idea anymore. Yeah. So they kind of ditched that whole mentality of like, let's scare people into voting for us because we're mm. the only ones who can secure the borders. I don't really think that came up at all in the most recent election whereas it was huge in in previous elections so i think maybe that sets a somewhat optimistic time for the future
1: i think it's it's optimistic to see that the uh the country is turning around and saying we need to treat everyone like human beings and it's nice to see the government actually take that on board yeah whether they're actually taking it on board and doing things about it remains to be seen but
0: it's always slow though isn't it yeah (laughs) i
1: think we we as australians need to take our eye off america for a second and realize that the same things are happening in our own backyard yeah and we can't keep slagging yeah you know saying oh america how terrible
0: so then what would you say are your key takeaways for this week what's your too long didn't read (laughs) summary Uh,
1: learn from history people need to do that more stop being proud of history You know enjoy stop being proud of uh history and only taking the good things away because history is terrible we're at a great point in human history where we live in civil i was thinking about this last night Mm -hmm. i was like thank god we live in a civilization i would hate to live in like a little straw hut ruled by a king who could just like execute me or send me to war at any second and die of terrible terrible diseases we will
0: Everyone died a lot quicker. That's exactly.
1: (laughs) I like living longer. I like having the internet. That's really fun. Yeah. So let's look back at history that we know kind of sucks and let's learn from our mistakes because we made a hell of a lot of mistakes.
0: I agree. I also, so yeah, I'd say my two points. One of them is a tweet that um, Ocasio Cortez said because I think she's, I mean, She does, you know, I'm not saying I support everything she does, but she's really good at just calling, saying things like it is. And she, because obviously, as we said at the beginning, she got a lot of backlash for calling these camps concentration camps. And she said, I will never apologize for calling these camps what they are. If that makes you uncomfortable, fight the camps, not the nomenclature. So I just think that was so true. It's like, if you're uncomfortable with the fact that she's calling them concentration camps, fight the camps not her she's not like attacking you she's trying to get something to change so i thought that was really yeah. really good um and then yeah i guess i guess the whole my sort of takeaway is that i think there's just such a need to break out of the sort of really dominant political rhetoric which is quite populist and it views and this is in australia as well as the us that views border protection as our primary concern and then the livelihood of the refugees and asylum seekers who are trying to come into, or, you know, who are trying to penetrate those borders as secondary considerations. And I think that's just really dangerous. It's been like that for a while, but I think it's time that we flipped that and we see the livelihood of human beings as the primary consideration. So, yeah, that would be my takeaway. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, guys. And next week... hope that week... train of thought made sense. Yeah. hope everything made sense. Bit of a heavy one. Yeah. But we'll come in with something more lighthearted next week. Next week <laughs> so... sounds fun. Yeah. Um...